Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is supported by the New York Studio School, where drawing, painting, and sculpture are studied in depth, debated energetically, and created with passion. The New York Studio School offers a range of programs, including the MFA, their certificate program, the marathon program, evening and weekend classes, and a distinguished lecture series that's free and open to the public. The school's internationally recognized marathons are two-week intensive courses designed to build momentum and expand one's creative boundaries. The school welcomes participants for the fall 2019 marathons in drawing and sculpture, which begins September 3rd. Apply online today at nyss.org. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Baron Arts. Baron Arts is a Brooklyn-based designer and builder of the best stretcher frames, art panels, and floater frames in New York and the U.S. They have many styles and options, from standard strainers to mechanical expansion stretchers to fully custom shapes determined by each client. They also stretch the finest canvases and linens to your exact specifications and can even crate and ship your order or your finished paintings anywhere in the U.S. and worldwide. Baron Arts has almost 30 years' experience building custom structures for artists like Elizabeth Murray, Sean Scully, Kahinde Wiley, Joan Snyder, Catherine Bernhardt, and thousands of others. I have a show opening next month at Miles McHenry and made a large diptych for it. They had to match perfectly and Baron Arts did the job to perfection. From custom to standard, big projects and small, they remain the most reasonably priced custom shop around, and they take great pride in offering the finest work at affordable prices for the entire artist community. Your artwork should be on the finest structures available, built by Baron Arts. Find out more at baronarts.com. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden is a company based in upstate New York that is committed to making the best artist materials for artists to make work with. I've been using Golden Paints and Mediums for 20 years, and I swear by it. The pigments, the quality, the usability, is that a word? Anyway, the best stuff out there. You can get it in just about every art store and online at goldenpaints.com. High Rises and Double Vision, Images of New York, is an exhibition of my own work that will be opening the 5th of September at 525 West 22nd Street at Miles McHenry Gallery, and will be on view through 5th of October 2019. There will be an opening reception on the 5th of September from 5.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. The exhibition is accompanied by a catalog featuring an essay by Pac Pabrik, and I've also done a collaboration with Grim Ales, the artwork for a new beer that they're releasing that will be available at the opening, and a exclusive collaboration with Topo Designs on a tote bag for the show that will be available in a very limited quantity, at the opening, so please stop by the opening and check out the show at Miles McHenry Gallery, the 5th of September through the 5th of October. Dana James is a painter and native New Yorker, now residing in Bushwick. She is the former founder and curator of Elgin Gallery in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, as well as the former Associate Director of Life on Mars Gallery in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Her own work has been extensively exhibited after graduating from SVA in 2008 and can be found in private and public collections including the Islip Museum of Art and the collection of Lion Tree Capital in New York. 
Her last solo show, Sometimes Seen Dreams, at Lodge Gallery was featured an art critical review panel and a recent two-person show, The Thread, at M. David & Co. Gallery in April was chosen as must-see exhibitions by New York Magazine. She's been featured in publications such as Two Coats of Paint, Art Critical, Art Space, and Hyperallergic. Her upcoming shows include Kicking, Abstract, and Taking Names at Moberg Gallery in Des Moines, Iowa, as well as an upcoming group show at Hollis Taggart Gallery in Chelsea this fall. Dana stopped by for a talk about artist parents, finding balance, process, improvisation, and more. Here's our conversation. So this is this is your site. Yes. And your work. Um, do you keep do you keep the stuff up to date? For Are the most a- part, yeah. Um, there might be like a few things that need updating, but it's it should be basically updated. Right. And your work is, I mean, mostly abstract, mm-hmm. process based, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And um, you shift your scale around in materiality, right? Mm-hmm. But is that oil paint? Or using oils? Um, all of my pieces are generally a large combination of materials. Um, this one is charcoal, ink, encaustic, oil, acrylic, glaze, pigment. So it's usually, I mean, part of the reason I have those kind, these kind of compilations of sizes and panels together is so I can really experiment with the materials so yeah they're all kind of contradict the materials are all kind of contradicting each other yeah this is like three well people can't see this if they go to your website mm-hmm. the splash page painting mm-hmm. but it's three panels right yes so it's a triptych. when you're working are you kind of improvising along those lines and working like did you work on that piece all at once or were you working on different panels and kind of playing with how the compositions work together after the fact? Um, It's a little bit of both, but um, this one specifically, I mean, this is a really large piece. Um, It was originally a diptych instead of a triptych. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did not, was not liking the left side of the um, piece. So I, instead of buying, you know, another set of 80 inch stretcher bars, I thought it'd be interesting to make a kind of, Um, uneven kind of puzzle piece um, work so I so yeah I kind of start by pouring a vast you know area of color um, and then I added the left side so the the charcoal and the kind of uh, breaststroke that's coming out on the left side is added last yeah yeah well in the palette looks it's funny the palette of the main breaststroke looks similar across the panel but then the rest of it looks like different you know it's, right but it's raw canvas is involved too right mm-hmm. so that kind of affects it yeah it's all primed with clear gesso but it's it has the the look of raw canvas right. for sure yeah the clear gesso stuff is pretty interesting it's cool it is yeah it gives you the look but it, it gives you options yeah do you ever want the sort of bleed of raw canvas? Do you ever use that? I do. It still bleeds. I mean, I really thin out the clear gesso. Oh, okay. um, and some of it's primed on the back. Like if I'm using a heavy material, obviously the encaustic has um, gesso and oil 
underneath it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely go for the bleed and the accidents and the autonomy of the paint when I'm pouring and working. Right. Well, let's go back. Like, how did you get, how did you get to this point? So where did you, (laughs) where'd you grow up? Um, where did I grow up? I grew up in Tribeca. Really? Manhattan. Yes. Nice. (laughs) Not far from where I just was. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, how was growing up in Tribeca? Um, you know, it's interesting. Everybody always asks me that, but I, it's, it's all so relative. I don't really know anything else. Um, you know, I think it's different. Like I, I don't know how to drive, you know, yeah. where I'm going at three today is my driving lesson. Cause I'm getting my driver's license. Oh, really? Hopefully, nice. maybe we'll see. <laughs> Fingers crossed. And, um, you know, I grew up in a very busy on like a really busy, loud street. Yeah. Um, when you're in Tribeca, you're in the center of city hall, the world trade center, um, the financial district, Church Street, which is like the water main, um, every subway line. Um, so it's very, it's definitely a melting pot. Yeah. Um, I think people think it's really kind of just a fancy place. Obviously, when I was growing up, there was not fancy at all. It was desolate and kind of dangerous, actually. Um, but it's got a lot of different types of people because it's got the people that work there during the day and the people who have settled there and, and the, you know, people that are just transient, um, through it. So it's, it's definitely an interesting neighborhood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's kind of like a hub for that. Right. But it has that weird dynamic of, of a lot of work going on during the day. Yeah, exactly. And money and government. Right. But then at there's night, like nine, there's like job lot, but yeah. there's also like, you know, super expensive baby stores and, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, I think one of the first times I went to Tribeca, was um, going to the knitting factory, and I mm. remember thinking, you know, is it? It just felt empty mm-hmm. at that point at night because mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot down yeah. there compared to now, you know. Right. But that was such a cool venue, and there was such great music there. Mm-hmm. But the area didn't feel like going to see music in the Lower East Side, where it felt like more kind of like a scene. Right. You know, it's yeah. Tribeca definitely has sort of identity crisis. Yeah. Um, about it, yeah. Right, it's like a time mm-hmm. of day place. Yeah. Although now it feels a little more. Mm-hmm. Now it's a little bit more like so one way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, mm-hmm. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. So were your parents creative people? Is that they when were, you were exposed um, to? Both of my parents were artists. Oh, really? Um, I just had a show with my mother, who's a very active contemporary artist, um, Lizbeth Mitty, and that painting that we were just speaking about. Um was in the show. So we had a two person show, um, in April mm-hmm. at M. David and Cohen Bushwick. So it was cool. Well, how was that the show with your mom? <laughs> it was, it was a really good was experience. It, cool? yeah. it was interesting. Um, I think, you know, it had a really great story behind it. We did it during women's history month. Um, we have a really strong relationship and we're kind of the first eye on each other's work. Um, and our work is also really different from each other. Um, there's some similarities in our, that we're both very process oriented and our hand, you can see our hand and brush strokes. Um, but hers is at the moment much more narrative. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think 
people were really wondering like what's their work going to look like when it's hung up together is it is the influence going to be apparent is it going to be different you know um and I think it was a surprise you know for some people and even for us um because obviously I've been to her studio a bunch of times and she's been to mine a bunch of times um but we've never seen our work in one room together um in that you know having that dialogue with each other so it was interesting for everyone involved I'm yeah sure. yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. can you imagine like a um, a mother-daughter actor you know mm-hmm. being in a movie or something it's right. like you go off and do your thing mm-hmm. I've done my thing and then putting them together into that would be a, yeah. a pretty interesting dynamic mm-hmm. well did she go to school for art proper or like what was her she did um path? she was actually a professor too yeah um so she has her MFA and um she yeah both of my parents actually were professors and had their MFA in art now I feel like as a young kid mm-hmm. you kind of when your are I mean I wouldn't know my dad would like drove a truck and my mom cleaned houses but mm-hmm. I feel like if what your parents do like you, there's usually a little bit of pushback or something like when mm-hmm. when people ask like oh are you going to be an artist your parents were artists and right. it's like no way I'm not doing that you know right. did you go through that phase at all or did um, you embrace it the whole time it's a little bit ironic I I think I always just felt like I was an artist and that was just what I did and um what came most naturally to me um but my mom definitely, I think, didn't want me to be an artist because she felt it was so hard and it's had experienced easy. it. And right. I obviously watched her experience it. So I think she wanted me to be, um, you know, like a, a doctor, like, you know, any right, parents right. do, like something that was stable. Um, and I've always kind of been business oriented in my personality. Um so I think my family was hoping like, okay, she'll be, you know, have it easier and she'll be more stable. But, um, you know, that being said, I grew, my sister and I grew up in an industrial loft in Tribeca, basically, that was um, mostly my mom's art studio. And we did not have a lot of money. We did not have a lot of toys. We had only art kind of um So we, you know, spent most of our time being creative. That's what we did to pass the time. Um, So I'm sure it's a question between nurture and nature. And um, but, you know, most people in my family are creative. Like my sister also does art, but she has her MFA in writing and, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever my my uncles my grandfathers um so it's in the blood so yeah yeah (laughs) I think it just came the most natural that's you know to me is how I feel about it right Mm -hmm. well I would imagine growing up with two artist parents that music was probably part of growing up or were were they yeah um my little sister who has a different father than I do is uh went to LaGuardia for percussion and she is now becoming a doctor actually, but in at Vassar, but she, um, 
still does a lot of tap dancing. Mm-hmm. So well, she's got it somewhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> she's like a, a half and half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I guess that'll be the case study of whether that is more stable or not. Right. Exactly. It's so funny how parents, I mean, as a parent, mm-hmm. you kind of get it, but um, how parents think, oh, I want them to be, to not have to worry mm-hmm. and to be sort of stable. Right. So I want them to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine how much stress yeah, I mean, it is being a doctor in <laughs> The grass schedule? is always greener. This right. is true. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, yeah, you could pay your bills, mm-hmm. but that life is not an easy life either. Yeah. I mean, I went to med school. I was, I started oh, in med really? school mm-hmm. and I was just, I knew it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Like I was around a lot of people who were really, really smart mm-hmm. and really motivated mm-hmm. and I wanted a skateboard, you know? Right. Yeah. And I, the only reason I was in med school is because I did well in biology in high school, you know, mm-hmm. and got in. But, you know, I don't think that's an easy path either. Yeah. I mean, nothing is that easy um, right. when you're dealing with other people and, you know. I just think nothing is easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's all I should have said. Nothing is easy. Right, but it's the finance. You know, parents right. just don't want you to be broke on mm-hmm. the street. Exactly, yeah. But I feel like I'd rather <laughs> have my kid have less money and be happy doing what they want to do than mm-hmm. working a job that they can pay the bills or they can afford a Mercedes, but right. they're miserable because mm-hmm. they don't like their job. Yeah. I don't know. I guess yeah, I agree. I mean... We'll see. Yeah. I mean, but she likes it. It was her choice. So right. we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's, uh, that's pretty cool to go to percussion, mm-hmm. go to LaGuardia for percussion and end up yeah. in med school. Mm-hmm. Did that happen right after high school or did the, um, the going into med yeah, school? Yeah. I think basically she kind of knew that she was at least very interested in pursuing that path, yeah. you know, once she got into Vassar and Yeah. And you went to SVA, right? I did, yeah. So where did you go to high school? I went to Brooklyn Friends School. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that like a K-12 through deal? Yes, but I went to public school. I went to PS234 in Tribeca. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Little Red, actually. And then I went to Brooklyn Friends. And then SVA from there? I actually went to Emerson um, in Boston for a year. Oh, really? But then I transferred. Um, was that the I want to get out of here? You know, like. Well, I got a, a partial scholarship and mm-hmm. on early decision for Emerson, and I was really interested in writing, and I was also really interested in um, design, like kind of special effects, makeup, and um, theater design, and everything. So I thought, I think I thought I would study that, but still do art, which is you just can't do. So right. I was like, never mind. I have to be a painting major. So I switched. Yeah. And you came back. Mm-hmm. Did it feel good to come back to the city or what, did you like Boston? Um, did I like Boston? I didn't not like Boston. I liked Emerson. Um, the first you know, year's hard, isn't it? After, in your way? Yeah. I mean, after growing up in Manhattan, I everything is kind you know every city sort of feels like a lame version of <laughs> New York in some way even though it has its you know charms yeah, so I, I can totally relate to that. Yeah, yeah um I felt like Boston was sort of segregated mm-hmm. which I didn't like um and that you know it was cold and everything closed earlier and whatever but Boston was fine it was really just that you know because I had applied to Boston Museum School mm-hmm. Um, and then I, 
you know, basically I went where, you know, I got into Parsons, NYU, Boston Museum School, and I, they wouldn't transfer any of my credits. So I ended up at SVA, which was, you know, also fine with me. Um, But they enabled you to transfer credits? Yes. So that was... (laughs) So I did not have to pay for a whole other year of college. Yeah. (laughs) But they also have great faculty. The teachers are great. And most of them are practicing artists, you know, who I know now and everything. So that was a draw also. You always wonder for people who grow up in New York City... To go to art school in New York City is the biggest perk of that. Because usually it's people, not usually, but a lot of times it's people coming from outside the city. So Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, now I'm studying with people who are living it and I'm there. Like I can Mm -hmm. see all the shows, I can do all the stuff and that's amazing. So it's like two in one. It's like basically, you know, a a first step into the city Mm -hmm. with a little bit of safety. But for you, you've... You know, you're born and bred, you lived there your whole life. I mean, was the biggest advantage of of that just being able to maybe turn off the city and focus on, you know, what you're doing in the studio? Or was it the faculty or? Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there was definitely less novelty for me. Um, You know, I have been to all the museums, all the galleries and everything a billion times. Um, But I think... You know, I just felt much more like myself um, and that this is just kind of where I'm supposed to be and why would I be anywhere else if I'm going to be an artist and everything I have is here. And um, so, you know, I think when you... It's, it was very apparent when you go to a school like Emerson where there's a campus um, comparatively to a school like SVA where there's really no campus, um, the social aspect is kind of lost. Um, everybody's just out kind of living in New York. It, you're not like in some dorm dorm or <laughs> yeah. place where there's like grass that you're sitting on, right. on you know, whatever with people. So um, you, I think your connections are really strong but there's actually less of them. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I felt, I think I just felt like this was where I was supposed to be fundamentally, you know, for multiple reasons. Right. And getting back to the music thing, were you into music during school? I mean, growing up and in school, was that part of your... Um, I've always been into music, you know, not so much in a social way. Yeah. Um. I kind of enjoy it, kind of prefer to enjoy it like in my own, uh, kind of imagine it in my own way rather than experiencing it kind of publicly. Like, do you, do you think that part of that, do you think part of that is like being in New York? Um, I think I definitely have a version to crowds in a way. Um, you know, when you're an artist, you really don't have to be on a schedule where you're stuck in rush hour and um, standing in large crowds. Um, If I do anything, I'm definitely like, well, I'm not going to do that at eight or five. I'm going to do that in the middle of the day when no one's around kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, music for me is very like personal. I like to listen to it and, you know, kind of 
think about what it means to me while I'm working or doing whatever rather than what everyone else might kind of interpret it as live or it's yeah. kind of like watching a movie being made. I don't want to see how it was uh, concocted a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like growing up for me being, I mean, I grew up in Pittsburgh, which mm-hmm. is the lame ver like you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. It's, there's not much to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of, you can do the city in a weekend. It's a great place, right. but you know, growing up music for me was a place like I would go play music with friends. We'd go out to see music and it was such a social it was mm-hmm. an actual something to do mm-hmm. when there was really nothing to do. There. Yeah. Whereas in New York, there's everything to do. Right. Like you have to basically choose not to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I see it mm-hmm. in my son. He loves to put on his headphones and tune any, everything mm-hmm. out and just listen to his music. Mm-hmm. And it becomes this like personal space for him. Right, exactly. So I'm wondering if part of that is filtering out all the forced interactions and all that stuff and music can become a place where you can escape. Just like... An art studio is in a way. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's an interesting question. I don't know if that's just me because I'm, I am introverted and I'm kind of a loner and I like to be alone and you know solitary in the studio, and then I like to kind of switch gears and be social. But I don't generally do the two things together. You know. Yeah. So, but well, yeah, I think there's definitely something to that. Like get you know, getting the time to be alone. Um, is important, I suppose, when you live somewhere like here. Right. Well, do you listen to music while you're working? Yeah, for sure. I mean, your work seems conducive to that. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. always doing that where Lots I'm imagining, of movement. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder what this person's listening <laughs> to when they make this work. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it's the exact opposite or something you totally wouldn't expect. Mm-hmm. Well, it's definitely a huge mix of genres. So I guess that would... Uh, apply itself to my work yeah yeah Mm -hmm. sort of a collage of different Mm -hmm. stuff right and I would imagine that your influences with artwork is the same Mm -hmm. no because people always look at work and be like oh you must like this person this person that Mm -hmm. person but usually it's a million usually it's yeah but they're just saying your work I think of these other artists when I look at your work Mm -hmm. so when you were in school and you're sort of developing you know, who were the biggest influences on you? Was it the faculty or the stuff you're seeing around the city? And then how did you navigate towards this, like, kind of... I mean, obviously your mom was doing it, mm-hmm. but this process abstraction and the way that you're working now. Um, so my work in school was much more... Uh, it was figurative. Um, it was kind of morose and dark, and these kind of deadly dying girls um skeletal and kind of um the body being outside of itself and um still beautiful but um kind of that creepy um overtone to it and um I think at the time my influences were Definitely. I mean, nobody in my family was doing anything like that. Um, and neither were my teachers, so I think it was definitely just imagery and my own personal interests. Um, and what years was that that you were at um, SVA? 2004, I think, to 2008. Yeah. So there's some figuration going on, though, mm-hmm. like in the art world. You're going out yeah. to see galleries and stuff. 
Yeah. I mean, that's an advantage. There was, for sure, yeah. Advantage of mm-hmm. seeing that stuff in the flesh as opposed mm-hmm. to other people who are in art school looking at it on the internet is that you could go see, like, a Dana Schutz show or, you know, yeah. you could see that mm-hmm. stuff in person. I definitely saw it in galleries. Um, you know, magazines, print was much more of a thing right. then, yeah. you know, and I was interested in that. Um, Remember magazines? Yeah, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was definitely very interested in certain magazines from France and Japan and all that kind of a little bit more fashion based, although my work wasn't fashion oriented, but definitely, you know, being into makeup and special effects and the portrayal um, of the image of figures. Right. So, um, yeah, so that was, um, what I was doing in school And then I sort of discovered um, inks and watercolor, um, and my work became much more loose. And um, I then started doing, my work was still narrative, but it was, had a lot more texture and it was, um, had the bleeding aspect. Um, I was using the paper and the canvas a lot, and I was pouring. Um, you know, with the canvas on the floor, I was experimenting with different types of pouring, whether the paint was thick and kind of stirred around or whether it was just bleeding. Um, and then I reached, um, a stage where I was doing really water oriented paintings, both kind of vast, uh, oceans and kind of abandoned oceans, vestiges of kind of suburbia, places that I'm not familiar with, Um, but also swimming pools and sinks and kind of artificial water. Um, But while I was doing that, I got really interested in um, the contrast and textures that I was using Mm -hmm. um, because I never... I'm really not someone that likes to stick to one thing, um, whether it be the material or the surface on one piece or even just that body of work. So I I don't like to pigeonhole myself. I kind of like to contradict myself a lot. Um, So I was doing those kind of water-based series and then... Um, a lot of the time I crop out, um, parts of paintings that I like the best Mm -hmm. and it'll give it sort of a wrap around, uh, no end, no beginning look to it. Um, and I was left with lots of strips and I kind of wanted to recycle all of these strips, um, together to make a more abstracted landscape. I was always sort of interested in, um the idea that Eastern art, you know, the picture plane just sort of continues. It doesn't have a beginning or an end. Um, whereas Western art were sort of like boxed into this very rectangular square canvas. So framing the image, I kind of wanted to be able to, you know, perpetuate the landscape. Um, and I also wanted to be able to take a material and give it its own space instead of trying so hard to blend it into one piece Um, so I basically ended up with this, the, you know, this idea to 
be able to keep adding on, adding on um, multiple panels, you know, to where the, the materials could contradict each other and have dissonance all around the edges and could also just keep continuing. Um, I felt like it gave me a lot more options. So. But it feels like, too, that, you know, the work, like it doesn't have that beginning and end in a way. Like it can always exactly. be sort of yeah. remixed mm-hmm. or, you know. Like, I'm glad you feel that way. Yeah, yes. <laughs> kind of, it, it's an element of collage, an element of remix, but it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like a working process that, you know, is captured at that given time. And then it can be organized or moved mm-hmm. around or played with, but it's basically like these moments that are kind of like grabbed onto for a second, framed, right. and mm-hmm. then they're either sealed or they can move on and continue changing. Exactly, yeah. Um, you know, which is very representative of me in general because I'm very kind of clean, anxious, organized, but I, I can't ever stay still. So it's, um, you know, this, like the one you're looking at now, this kind of coruscating panel with this very matte, dark um, explosion next to it is very, you know, indicative of what I'm interested in because it's the contradiction, but it's also balancing each other. Um, it could be rearranged. It could, you know, do anything really. Were you um, kind of like parallel to the progress that you're making in school and coming out of school and working this way? Um, are there a lot of other influences outside of painting that are, you know, having an effect on you? directly like whether it's cinema or poetry or is there what are the other things that kind of like inspire you it's I've always been interested in writing you know I think what inspires me is being somebody that's from the city primarily and then having but my father's side is um from the south Mm -hmm. and I've had these little moments in time and in Texas and Georgia and I'm sort of interested in you know, what my life would have been like if it was not in New York City or if it was suburban or if it was in the country or um, all these kinds of things. So I'm, I'm interested in, you know, two things coming together that don't fit. Right. Um, I'm interested in the dissonance between all the canvases and I'm interested in, you know, things that are very feminine and almost, you know, garish, overly beautiful, um, paired with this kind of shrouding of doom next to it. Right. Um, yeah. Like the physical, the calm, the chaos and the control. Mm -hmm. It's like a duality, right? Yeah. It's definitely, um, it's definitely that chaos control duality. Um, but I kind of want each panel to still flow in a way that, you know, where they're not just drastically opposite um, in the sense that that's all the piece is about. Um, I still want there to be harmony amongst all the contradiction. Um, Pieces like these are actually based off of dragonflies, so you can see little references to wings um, and kind of the opalescent um 
shiny wings and colors and figures they represent. So there's a few that are um, dragonfly-based, which is also a reference to me being sort of in the South and catching dragonflies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's funny, I just did, you know, I have a painting, well, it might be over now, but in a group show in Japan, and it was of a dragonfly. Mm. And I wanted to... That same idea crossed my mind, but it was it was one of those black dragonflies, which mm-hmm. is kind of hard to get the opalescence in that. Mm. So I rarely use a an airbrush, but I used it for the background of that because I mm-hmm. wanted to have that duality of like the stark architecture of a dragonfly, which right. is such a incredible looking mm-hmm. weird bug. Yeah, <laughs> and then you know this kind of haze behind it mm-hmm. as if it was like a ghost or an apparition. Yeah, it's a really dynamic. Um structure to paint to try to represent you yeah. know but in they're super mine gentle. they're just sort of broken up yeah like you can mm-hmm. handle them. like they look like they would be menacing right yeah but they're they have that duality in mm-hmm. them i think just the appearance of them yeah exactly mm-hmm. that's cool is a lot of your other work based or is some of your other work based on sort of experience and like actual things um or is that I like think kind of a one-off I think it's really sort of these memories, Mm -hmm. you know, both my memories, but also sort of imagined memories of places. Um, You know, it's sort of the feeling of memory, which is why, you know, that idea of like memory or sleep where it's completely dark, but there's flashes of kind of rainbow color and um, everything sort of moving and you know, that stillness, but feeling like it's their speed about it. Um, yeah. So I think memory for sure. And, um, you know, water is always in there and landscape is always in there, even if it looks quite abstract. Right. Mm -hmm. I can't help but wonder too, like what your dad's work looks like. Um, my dad's (laughs) work. Was there the duality between your mom and your dad and their work? Because he's from the south, different. right? Yeah. Um, my dad's, I mean, they both went through so many different stages, obviously. Um, my father stopped painting when I was a child, although he was always drawing and everything. Um, but he, he could really, really draw, like, very delicate um pencil graphite drawings still representational um representational yeah and then he switched to um these kind of massive heavy uh cement concrete um abstract kind of almost like wall sculptures um sounds like a big shift (laughs) yeah um so yeah and i think he i think he also did some encaustic which i didn't ever see in person but um yeah in a way he had a lot of duality too very delicate but also very heavy and um kind of impressive in size and weight and everything that kind of well and he so he's from the south was your mom from the north my mom is from queens they met in uh, grad school in yeah. Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Artists together. Does that, yeah. does that ever really work long term? <laughs> I guess it does sometimes. It was definitely hard. Um, 
that's another thing my mom was always like, don't be with another artist, you know. Right. Don't be an artist and don't be with another artist. <laughs> <laughs> don't be an artist. But if you do that, which you shouldn't do, mm-hmm. definitely don't right. get with another artist. Exactly, yeah. I would imagine that's difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know some and it works, but yeah, over, it's, it's, it's such a, it's a difficult thing because I feel like a lot of times when you, you know, as an artist, when you're in a relationship with someone who's not an artist, they have a hard time understanding mm-hmm. exactly what's going on. Yeah. You have to find exact. someone that's creative, but hopefully but, yes. a little more stable than you are maybe, or. That's exactly what know? I found. My wife's yeah. in fashion. She's mm-hmm. way more stable mm-hmm. than me. Good, good but for you. But you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but they still don't, unless you're an artist, did, people just don't understand that, like, let's say part of your job is sitting in a chair and staring at a wall. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to do that sometimes. Right. Or like getting, And you need to be alone and yeah. you need to, yeah, everything. Like weird time. Mm-hmm. For most people, time working means that you go, you work, and you earn money, mm-hmm. and then you come home. But for right. an artist, it's like... Your time is totally abstract. Yeah, yeah. it's it's weird. Mm-hmm. And then when you try to explain it, it usually doesn't work well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then if they don't get your art, it's just over. Yeah. I mean... It's, it's Yeah, that's, I guess, the, the ground floor. Like, yeah. we got to start with this. Mm-hmm. You don't hate what I do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because sooner or later, even if you love what I do, you're going to hate the process of mm-hmm. what I do. Yeah. Because it's weird, right? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> well, I guess in that sense, it opposites attracted mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. At least at the beginning. Right. Very different, but similar interest, I suppose. Yeah. For yeah. my parents. Mm-hmm. Well, to go back to you. So you got out of school and I would imagine that being a New Yorker made it a little easier for you to like navigate the process of getting your studio and doing all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, then late... Was it, well, this would be like mid to late 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. Which is right when it crashed. Right, yeah. I graduated right during the crash, I believe. It happened on graduation day. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's no better time to graduate because then you're yeah. like, oh, well. I mean, no one expects anything yeah. of you. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you got a studio. Did you come out to Brooklyn in the beginning to get your studio? Um, I. It was a little complicated. We had... We had our loft, um, which was rent controlled. It was yeah. $500 a month, you know, when everybody else in the building was paying, I think, 10000 I was going to say, you can't say that on air. Yeah. Well, there you <laughs> Can go. Can you imagine? <laughs> so my parents relocated, um, and I had the loft with my sister for a while. And so that was great because I got to have an art studio yeah. for, and a place to live for $500. That's a good deal. Um, so that was lucky for a while. Then, of course, we finally got pushed out. Um, once we got pushed out, I did move to Bushwick. Mm-hmm. And then ever since then, I've kind of been in between the East Village, Bushwick, and bed And obviously now I'm back in Bushwick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but you started curating, right? Isn't curating... I did... active I, I opened a gallery when I was 26. Mm-hmm. Um in Bedsty, and then I worked at Life on Mars for like a year after that. So I'd imagine that helped with like building your community of people that yeah, you it did. Um, getting people in the studio. Yeah, that was good. I mean, you know how that goes. It's kind of like when you are when you wear a lot of hats, it gets confusing. Right. You're not sure if someone's there for your work or for their work or what you know what things get a little bit muddy but 
it was a great experience. Um, I still love curating and I still um, get asked to do things um, from time, you know, sometimes. So, so yeah, but I was basically still full-time painting while I was doing all that stuff, so it was kind of a lot. Um, did you, did the fact that you had a pretty good sort of rent situation at the beginning give you time to where you didn't have to like work all the time so you could work on your work or was it still, you still had to grind it out? I was still, I mean, I think I only had the law for a year or two years. Um, it, it definitely was a nice cushion for a while. Um, I definitely was kind of thrown out into the world when I had to pay real rent. But even during then, you know, when you're younger, you can have roommates and they don't care if your studio is a living room. And, you know, so I wasn't paying that much more. Once I opened the gallery, I was paying a lot much, you know, a lot more because I was, you know, I still was paying a lot less than most galleries because I was living under it, had my studio in the gallery space and had the gallery. Um... So if you can find, you know, a multi-use space like that, it can make sense economically. Um, but it was definitely um, a big shift, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that, I'm sure that helps in a sense that, mm-hmm. you know, well, I don't know if because you went to SVA, you already had kind of a community of people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm well, sure I was fortunate helps. to have a community... Um, yeah, for sure. Like I, you know, my best friend's father is a a famous sculptor and I asked him to be in the show and then I, you know, my mother, you know, everything. Um, and I was somebody that was kind of out a lot and I went to lots of events and things. So, and I was comfortable doing that, you know? Um, so that was definitely an advantage. I think, I think I, I would not have opened a gallery if I wasn't comfortable sort of relying on some people and being out and kind of promoting it and everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then when you, when was the first time you started showing your work? How long did that take? Or maybe you were showing Um, it at school. I've been, yeah. I mean, painting and showing and selling paintings has been my main uh, source of income since I graduated. Yeah. Which is lucky. It does not, you know, it doesn't come easy. And of course, there were years where I could not rely on my painting, and then the next year I could. And yeah. you know, um, I definitely had other jobs. I was, I was doing makeup for big productions um, for a long time while I was, you know, I was freelancing and doing that while I was painting. Yeah. But I always considered myself a painter. I was just sort of, you know, people were like, "Why don't you just do?" You know, it was like we're doing makeup for like the Jimmy Fallon show and, you yeah. know, big things. And they were like, you should just do that. And I was like, no, I just can't. Not what you, you know, want to do. I can't just just do that. Yeah. Right. So did you get that stuff? I mean, did you just teach yourself that stuff? Or that was you... entirely self-taught. Yeah. In school. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure all the more reason people are like, oh, you should. You got a good thing going. Right. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're a painter, you can generally do makeup if you're if you know if you're right. a certain type of you understand you know, color and yeah you can, exactly you can figure it out mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. that's cool so what what do you have coming up and what have you been working on recently do you have any 
Um, Any I, shows you're working on? Or? I just wrapped up a bunch of work today um, to go to Iowa. Um, there's a women's, I'm going to be in a women's um, abstraction show in Des Moines. Um, nice. It's Moberg Gallery right near the, you know, Fine Arts Center that they have there. It's been a long time since I've been to Iowa. Yeah, I've never <laughs> been, so... So, yeah, it's been a long day of boxing up large pieces that I'm not sure, you know, the, that the shipping place is going to accept, but it's there. <laughs> and um, what else? I'm going to be in a show um, in either Westport or Chelsea, but I'm waiting to find out. That should be this fall. Um, there's... There's a bunch of things on the radar, but I don't exactly know when or what they are. So, so far, the Iowa one, um, probably a couple things in Tribeca, which will be interesting to return to. Yeah. Um, and there's been some, I don't know if you know this because I didn't know, but like Instagram has been doing some like Instagram platform shows. I did not know that. So like I got asked to do that. So we'll see. How that goes maybe it's like the new thing to do <laughs> well, um, <laughs> you're active in social media right yeah I'm you, pretty active on Instagram which is sort of a new thing also for yeah. me yeah I was not very into doing it and now I'm doing it so well it seems like um, a lot of process-based work is of particular interest on Instagram mm-hmm. and I, I just wonder if that's maybe because sometimes the artists are showing process shots and it's mm. always because you know how you'll see um, like an Instagram video of like someone drawing an eye that looks realistic right. and people mm-hmm. love it. Yeah. Like, oh my God. You know, because <laughs> like they're people just... people are totally mesmerized. Yeah, yeah. like time-lapse mm-hmm. videos, everyone loves it. Mm-hmm. Well, you like. found me on Instagram, no? I did find you on Instagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But through art friend, like, you know, right. not through okay. a kind of like an art search or whatever. Mm-hmm. The people that I find through social media are usually because between the podcast and my own work of just posting things, mm-hmm. then you kind of see people posting other friends' work. You right, know, okay. Which is kind of the way I found work before, you know, the internet mm-hmm. when I first came to New York City. And, you know, someone would be like, oh, do you want to come do a studio visit? And you'd come and there were eight people's studios in there and you would be, yeah. be like, oh, you should see my friend Joe's work. Mm-hmm. And you walk over, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of that word of mouth connection. Mm-hmm. But now it's just so... Um, uh, it's Saturated. like a matrix of yeah. it, you know, mm-hmm. that it's hard to filter things out. But if you have a friend that whose work you love, then they post something, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll check that out. Right. So I think it works in a similar way. But it's funny how certain, it seems like certain types of work work better in that format. Yeah. Or they catch, mm-hmm. you know, a broader audience's eye. I yeah, think. I agree. But it's so hard to navigate because it's all, what do you, it's all like, you know, algorithms and Mm -hmm. you know if you like this you might like that yeah I mean it really can be so arbitrary but it can be great too in a sense yeah I'll give you an example on the way back into here today I was listening to Spotify and they have now they reorganized it and I don't really like the way they reorganized it but they do Mm -hmm. have this like albums you might like and I find music on there Mm -hmm. that's like I found a couple records that are really great that it, it's wonderful you know what I mean yeah. like it and part of part of you could think well I don't know if I really want people telling me what to listen to mm-hmm. but it's clearly it's working off of other stuff I like but it's different yeah well it can be really 
spot on or it can be completely based off of the wrong right. reasons why they might have chosen this song or album. Yeah. Well, here's a great analogy or parallel to that. Um, I used to always go to other music to buy CDs mm-hmm. and you would go into the area of like new music mm-hmm. and there would be a little blurb or something and be like, well, if you like Tortoise, you'll love this band or mm-hmm. something. And then, but sometimes it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't work at all. And you bought the record and you know, you just had to, you know, this is before listening stations and before like streaming. So, you know, you had to go off cover art and right. someone's like two sentence review of some guy who's been working there for 30 years. who's grumpy and has very specific tastes. Yeah. I mean, I can't analyze the, the irony of why you might like something or, you know, if you listen to one rap song and then right. they all of a sudden assume you love like all gangster rap and, right. you know, you're like, no, I like this because it was dynamically, you know, done with a another vocalist you know like they can't you know really register that kind of those nuances well thank god for art because that's what it is (laughs) (laughs) it's that indecipherable thing Mm -hmm. that draws you to it or pushes you away but right it's what i think maybe now more than ever is is a real kind of like a nice um alternative to other Mm -hmm. sort of creative express means of expression that's just like hard to Put your finger on it. Yeah, I it's mean, obviously the the discovery is there. You yeah. might not have ever gone down that road, you know. Right, mm-hmm. and being here, the beauty of going to see a show too. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like on the internet, you just see that one image or mm-hmm. something, or you see a little mosaic of images. But when you go to see a show and you walk around and you see the physicality of it, it's right. such a different thing that you you mm-hmm. can't replace it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean that. Um, that makes me sound old, I guess, but I no, feel, I mean, I feel the, the value of that. You have yeah. to feel that way, yeah. yeah. If you're an artist, obviously you feel that way, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were just incredibly lucky to grow up <laughs> surrounded by, like museums must have been mm-hmm. when you were, you know, I think about that with my sons. Like he's gone to see every amazing show and museum mm-hmm. that took me like 34 years to get to that point. Yeah, you know? it's it's interesting for me to not know what I have taken for granted um and what I have not you know yeah yeah like I'm more interested when I go somewhere else and I see something mundane almost than when I'm just walking around you know seeing so many cult you know so much culture here I'm kind of interested in seeing uh you know strange abandoned kind of country-esque places or you know just because it's the opposite of my environment have you gone to the salton sea no or like out in the desert i imagine marfa would be kind of well yeah i'd love to go to marfa i've been to um new mexico a couple times and i do love the desert Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's like that you know Mm -hmm. i was when i was young i drove across the country a few times and then playing in a band we drive across the country and there are areas where it's just like strikingly interesting the mm-hmm. desolate nature yeah of it. the desolation like, is really i hope i can make it to a gas station right before i run out here right you know i'm sure now it's different with gps mm-hmm. it's like you know you have 231 miles to the next gas yeah. station but, but back the then feeling it was like, of that you could wander into the desert and die and nobody would yeah. know is really exotic present in the <laughs> in the desert yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i think that's the i mean you know romanticizing like being off the grid mm-hmm. is a thing yeah 
you know, I think people pay, for, don't they pay to do that now? Where like you go leave your phone and then you go off somewhere. And <laughs> like you, just, you do yoga with, yeah, probably. They drop mm-hmm. you in the woods somewhere and it's mm. like, all right, find yeah. your way out of this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, so, well, I, we got onto that through social media. What is your, so your website is your name dot mm-hmm. info. Yes, Dana James dot info. And then your Instagram is um, at Ms. M-I-Z Dana James. Sounds good. Is there anything else that you wanted to tell listeners about? Um, well, if it was a month from now, I would have a lot more information on the shows, but they'll be happening. Just maybe a solo. Your, yeah. Follow at your least three, at least three group shows this season and maybe a solo later. So yeah. So just look on Instagram. Nice. My new platform. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to, okay. to seeing the new things coming up. Thanks for coming over. Thank you. It was good to meet. Okay. Sound and Vision is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find out more about the podcast at soundandvisionpodcast.com. Thank you to Baron Arts, our sponsor, Golden Artist Colors, and the New York Studio School for sponsoring the podcast. And thanks to all the listeners for listening. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, wherever else you listen to it. And uh, make sure that you check out the podcast at Sound and Vision Podcast on Instagram. You can find more about my work at brianalfred.net and on Instagram at Alfred Studio. Thanks for listening.